From the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts at Central Michigan University, welcome to Depth of Field, a podcast highlighting the careers, experiences, and accomplishments of our broadcast and cinematic arts graduates. I'm your host, Patty Williamson. Join me as I chat with media pros who reflect on their time at CMU, their lives and careers after graduation. Along the way, they'll share advice they have for anyone looking to work in a wide variety of media fields. And that's why we call it Depth of Field. Today on Depth of Field, I'm joined by John Greenhoe. He was here from 2007 to 2009 as a grad student and a graduate assistant in the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts. And currently, John is Digital Media Production Supervisor at Indiana University, Purdue University of Indianapolis. And that's a mouthful. So that is quite a title. Well, thank you, Patty. And it's nice to hear your voice again uh, after several years of after being your student. I hear your radio voice. So it's nice to hear you again. (laughs) Yeah, it's great to be able to chat. So how are things in Indianapolis? Oh, it's it's a nice sunny day. And uh, we're recording this on St. Patty's Day. um, So it's just a nice day over here. But it's spring break week. So it is kind of a lull. um, But always having things in the works over here. Yeah, it does seem appropriate that we're recording on St. Patty's Day. <laughs> yep. So, John, you came to CMU as a grad student. Where Where did you do your undergrad? Yeah, I, w- I did a, my undergrad at a place called Asbury University. It was Asbury College at the time. It's a It was in a place called uh, Wilmore, Kentucky. So it's about 20 minutes south of Lexington. You have to drive through... 20 minutes of uh, horse ranches to get to this small town of uh, Wilmore, Kentucky. It's a, uh, it was a private Christian college that had a really good media program. So that's why I wanted to go there. And that school actually was headed up by uh, a gentleman named uh, uh, the School of uh, Communication, now the School of Communication, uh, by the name of um, Dr. Jim Owens. And he is the senior consultant of broadcast training for uh, the Olympic Broadcast Services. So in my tenure... Um, he literally wrote the book on sports broadcasting. I have the first edition, and um, and he's wrote textbooks since then. But uh, since he does broadcast training for the Olympics, I got to work at the 2004 Olympic Games in Athens, Greece, as a paid intern and got to work there for 30 days with 50 other of my classmates, and he's been doing the Olympics ever since. Um, so that was kind of a big draw, and they've had a growth in the media program since then. But So I was in uh, Lexington, uh, just south of Lexington, Kentucky, uh, prior to that. And are you from Kentucky originally? Nope. Grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. My my parents still live there. And um uh, then after grad, after undergrad, I actually went back home and worked at my local TV station, Wood TV Eight, in Grand Rapids. Oh yeah. Uh, even you know, post undergrad, didn't really know where I wanted to go, but started at my own local TV station as a production assistant, PA. Um, I did everything from uh, floor director to graphics to um, anything I could do in production. Uh, even went up to doing some special projects, the first HD projects. Uh, and I also worked in their tape room, if you can believe that. Uh, back mm-hmm. then, they were just on the tail end of, of tape, um, manually feeding tape machines um, in the bottom with a, a Beta SX. So those of you remember Beta, uh, but I actually fed tape machines for their their all their different news programs. But then while I was there, I uh, had a met. Um, was connected with a really good mentor of mine. Uh, her name was Joy Walzak. She was a uh, special projects producer, and she kind of mentored me in saying, hey, where do you want to go and what do you want to do with your career? You know, if, if you're still single and 
want to continue your education, now's the time to probably do grad school if you ever want to consider that. And so I thought about it. And then Wood TV actually had a lot of CMU folks that came through. Um, you just uh, I just listened to your one of your recent episodes and Miles Johans Miles Johansson um, you interviewed um, he was a TD at the time that I was there mm-hmm. and then another gal that is a um, VCA alum is uh, uh, Brianne Frucci Tucker she was a promo producer when I was there and when I said you know I'm considering grad school and she said well the uh, Central Michigan has the BCA program and it's a really great and strong program and. Uh, you can be a, a GA and, and knock it out in two years. So I'm like, yeah, that that sounds definitely interesting. So that's how I kind of led to the BCA program up in Central Michigan. And once you got here on campus and started doing graduate work, what was your sort of initial take on being a grad student after being out in the industry for a while? Well, it was really good to, to return to... Um, higher ed, but as kind of a student leader, if you could say, with outside experience. Um, And I didn't know about uh, Central Michigan when I was applying to undergrad. I just didn't know that that Central Michigan existed, uh, or the the program did, excuse me. But uh, once I got there, it's like I had, you know, some broadcasting experience and production experience and and they had MHTV and MHTV Sports, and I'm like, that's that's something that I would love to head up. And then, of course, the the undergraduate um, GA responsibilities of uh, teaching the TV studio class. And so I'm like, yeah, that's something I can really sink my teeth in and, and bring my experience back to students and teach students. Uh, one of the major regions I wanted to get a graduate degree was to have the ability to teach later on in life, you know, knock out a, a grad uh, degree in two years. So at least I have it. I have that choice to teach later on in life. And so it was really fun to teach uh, what it, what was then uh, BCA 223, I think the Intro to TV Studio Production mm-hmm. course um, in Anspa Hall, um, mm-hmm. uh, one of the two TV studios back in the standard definition VHS days. So. Um, so I, I ran a couple of those labs over the two years, and then uh, then also ran MHTV Sports. So it was fun to to uh, produce that show, and I had the the crazy box. I inherited the crazy box, as they called it, the <laughs> uh, um, the equipment on wheels. And I think my first semester, I literally just recruited the students and I said, "Let's just take out all the gear that the MHTV Sports has." take it out to the football field and unwind all the cables. Let's try to plug everything in and at least just try to get signals through this box. And so that was the first exercise of just, can we plug this thing in and make a signal? Um, but then it was really fun after that to really organize a crew every week and say, hey, we're doing soccer, we're doing um, uh, volleyball. And then in the spring, we did the partnerships with PBS uh, for basketball, wrestling, and gymnastics. And um, you recently interviewed um, um, Chris Ogazali, and he was the director at the time. So that was really fun to take this crew that sometimes were just uh, new students, but throw them into a legit field production, uh, sports production. And in the spring, it was live through PBS. So it wasn't live to tape, and we can fix it in post. It was live from the Moore Hall control room and and we did full graphics package. Um, I helped design that through the Chiron and uh, did full replay. And so we really tried to break the mold and try to push the level of what we could for MHTV Sports. So I imagine that 
taught you in some respects just to be able to think on your feet quickly uh, and to be able to innovate from whatever you have to work with and find ways to make things work? Is that something that you've used as a skill as you've continued on in your career? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the intrigue of sports production is I, I like to tell people it's like camping with electronics. I mean, you take this in, in a small scale, you take the crazy box or a, a what some people call a fly pack, try to assemble it on site, whether that's an outdoor arena, whether it's an indoor arena, and wire up the whole venue. And you do have to problem solve all the way. I mean, something might not work here. Something may have the wrong connector here. Um, so that engineering mind of setting it all up is really fun. But then when you get on the larger scales, um, you know, in the spring, we worked with uh, a PBS station and we did some fiber channels so we could all sit in more hall and, and fiber it over to the arena and had a whole crew there. So there was some problem solving to, there of, you know, how do we do this? How do we do that? And and the pressure was on, but the students like uh, performed and, and got it done and alongside experienced directors like Chris Al-Ghazali and stuff like that. And you said that part of your reason for coming to grad school was to be able to teach when you were teaching the lab sections what was that experience like was it what you expected it to be uh was it stressful was it just invigorating well it was it was really good to be at bca that had the labs established and while i was there one of the tasks and goals that i had was just document the kind of lesson plan. So the the syllabus was already established and had several labs and you know the lecture and all that was all taken care of but as the GA, when I taught the lab, I want to document, you know, the lesson every week. So that's something I kind of did throughout the semester. But it was fun to work with the students to try to get them the the concept of this is a complete teamwork effort. Um, and you really have to to be on point in your station to really get the whole crew um, to do a unified effort. Because one person can make a mistake and kind of... Um, uh, flub the whole episode or, or the taping. So it, the pressure was on there too, but it was fun to, to know that, you know, some of the students that I worked with at the time, um, uh, names that come about is uh, Dan Durkin, um, Jason Antonevich, um, he was in there. Um, oh, yeah. And then uh, and for MHTV Sports, a, a gentleman named uh, Mike German, and he's a professional Steadicam guy now. So it's fun to know that some of the students that I interacted with, both in MHTV Sports and in the basic um, intro to studio production, have gone on and done some, uh, you know, continued their career and become quite successful in their career in uh, broadcasting or sports broadcasting. Do you stay in touch with many of your former students or your former peers in the grad program? Yeah, um, the, the grad program, there, there was only a couple of them that I recently reached out to um, because now I am also an instructor. Um, so um, uh, Aline Bozak was a, a GA that taught audio. Jason Kester taught audio. Um, so I've recently picked their brains on some of that. And then um, Mike German, I actually reached out to not too long ago. Um, he and I actually go all the way back to high school. We went to the same high school in Grand Rapids, Michigan, oh, wow. uh, for still Central. And so we were only a couple grades apart. So we go back all that all that way. But I just reached out to him not too long ago to be a virtual guest speaker for some of my current students to say, hey, this is when you watch sports on TV, this guy's at the, some of the major sporting events that you see on TV every week. Um, and he did a, a virtual um, kind of guest speaker to some of my current students. So that was a kind of really neat connection to, to bring someone who works in the industry 
back virtually back into the classroom. Yeah, that's really cool. And I am just taking a mental note. Contact Mike German to talk to him on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll have lots of stories. Yeah. So what was your first job out of grad school? What was that like once you got back out and started looking for work? Well, uh, while I was at BCA, I actually, every summer I was off, I was still working at Wood TV 8 in Grand Rapids, and I was working up the ranks and doing different projects. Um, I think I mentioned I, I did their first special project that was shot in an HD camera, um, so that was kind of a fun weather thing that we did before everything went HD. Um, then um, I graduated, and I think I, I became like kind of their full-time, part-time shooter editor for a new pilot ev- um in-house show that they were producing that is still on today called eight west so i was the kind of their first shooter editor for this um show that um and my mentor joy was an associate producer with that or um and and legit talent that were with it um so people that are still there that are doing that show and i got to do some really neat projects on that i actually got to shoot a a story segment all on a segue so we had some about Segway tours that I shot while riding a Segway. I got to ride in an airplane and about some glider rides. And I literally was in an airplane shooting out the window as we looked down at this glider and then went to various places around Michigan. So that was kind of a fun um, experience to be a part of a show. And then um, I stuck around there a couple, uh, I think a, an extra year after grad school. And then I wanted to go on to something else. And then I went off, um, left Wood TVA and went to a small production company in South Bend, Indiana. And um, they did corporate shows for um, home, uh, Sears Hometown Stores and U.S. Cellular. And, um, and they also did live sports uh, with the Horizon League. So every weekend um, on the uh, 8090 route from Youngstown, Ohio, all the way over to Chicago, we are in a different city every week doing these Horizon League basketball games. And uh, I only stayed there for about six months. It, it really wasn't a good fit for me. Um, so I kind of left that uh, pretty quickly and then got a, a job into um, moved over to Peoria, Illinois, and worked at a place called Bradley University for four years from 2010 to 14. And I was their in-house video marketing producer. So I did everything from commercials to commencements. I was their in-house video guy and um, uh, invested in some new equipment, directed some shows. uh, Jay Leno came to town one time and I actually directed his IMAG screen. So he's on stage. He brought no crew, no VIPs. It was just him on, um, on the stage and me and my crew were in the Coliseum and putting him up on the IMAG. So it was kind of neat to direct uh, his show. Unfortunately, I was in the control room. I never got to meet him individually. But um, so I was there for four years and did everything. Um, And then uh, from there, I was still in Peoria um, and got an opportunity. Uh, One of my friends who worked at uh, Bradley uh, said, hey, the uh, Peoria is the headquarters of uh, Caterpillar. And they have an in-house video team. You may want to check that out. And I'm like, yeah, I do. So um, I applied there and got the job. Um, and I worked at uh, Caterpillar Corporate. I was actually an agency employer uh, employee for four years. And they were, and it's kind of um, amazing to learn that this big 
worldwide company um, has an in-house video team and there were seven uh, producers uh, out of a team of 20 so we our whole team was about 20 people seven of us were actually shooter editors and we had uh, each of us had our own different camera kits uh, cinematic camera kits and we all had different projects that we went on. We some of some people traveled a lot. Some people did trade shows. Um, we did how-to videos, product videos. So I've been in the dirt with big machines, and did some product videos. I've also gone to big corporate shows. So um, I've done interviews with their CEO, vice presidents, group presidents, and some of these corporate shows were in Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, Chicago, Atlantic City. I've done trade shows in uh, Las Vegas, in uh, internationally in Germany, did translations, um, went to actual manufacturing plants where they built these machines and did some training, and and then you know went abroad with with equipment. So having to take multiple cases on a plane and have to travel um, solo, sometimes in Germany, sometimes in uh, I went to South America and Chile. And, and did that. So that was a really good experience to do all kinds of different work. But what I gained from being in, in the corporate video world was really learn how to charge clients, how to charge for time and, and estimate a video project. Now, some of the projects I did were not as big budget as uh, some of my other colleagues. But I got that experience of, hey, when I go do this job, how many days are a shoot day? How many days are in travel? How many days should I estimate for editing? And how many deliverables am I doing? And what is that cost structure? And how do you estimate that for a client? How do you deliver and make that client happy? And then over the course of the year, what is your target revenue that you want to bring in and as the whole team we had a target that we wanted to grow and, and hit those targets so it was really great to finally um, learn the the business of video not not just the creative now a lot of us wanted to be creative and do some really neat projects and there were some fun opportunities we got to do but that was the big professional part uh, that I gained from corporate video was was that how to bill your clients accordingly? I worked in TV news. I worked in TV news for for four years and never knew how a TV station made money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's important because I think a lot of folks, especially working on the creative side, they're not necessarily thinking about the money and how you actually make a living and do those things like billing clients and figuring out how to value your time and your experience and your expertise. Uh, and I can imagine working for a company like Caterpillar really makes you think more about that. But I'm also fascinated by the fact that you were kind of working out there, both talking to CEOs, probably in a nice office setting, but then also going out and shooting big machinery in the dirt. Um, which of those parts of the job did you like the most? Well, each one of them had a unique experience. I mean, the, the, the work in the dirt, I think all of us producers had some, some dirt time uh, product videos. Um, I mean, I spent like a week out at a site in the dirt of documenting how they build a road segment that was like 400 feet long. Um, then uh, doing, uh, you know, going out to another site where a big dozer, brand new dozer is, is working and you have to kind of make a product uh, uh, product video of that working. Um so you got you got the adventure of going out on location and actually being in the dirt, 
But then, you know, the big corporate shows where, where you know, all the, the VIPs went to a location, that also has a very unique experience where, you know, we went to a big city, went to a, a very nice hotel, and, and, you know, the company rented out, like, the entire hotel and the convention center um, for the show. And the show, you know, was, was amazing. I mean, we one of the shows that we did in Atlanta had... A, a stage and a screen that was a hundred feet wide that was a single piece of canvas and had seven projectors across it so it's not just widescreen it's like super widescreen like seven by one ratio and we made content that stretched that whole thing and then there was a vendor that that ran all those projectors and stuff like that and then and but then you're uh, I did a lot of uh, uh, kind of news highlight stuff at those big corporate events of like, hey, what was said there? You know, day one, here were the highlights of of those events. And those were kind of newsy type pieces. So I'm working in the corporate world, but taking my news experience of can you shoot and edit and turn around in the same day? Like I would shoot like about a, a dozen interviews, um, all these VPs from their different uh, production groups uh, and highlighting to their company segment, you know, what they did. And I had to deliver those that evening, 10 o'clock that night to be posted online 8 a.m. for the next morning for their whole um, part of the company to hear what happened. So you kind of use your news pieces and then you um, need to be able to work fast, but at, but work professional as well. I mean, um, I didn't have to wear a suit and tie, but you have to look professional and, and you're clipping on a mic on a, a very important person, a, a CEO or vice president. And a lot of people in the company, you know, it's a global company and not a lot of people got that kind of uh, intimate time. Um, moments with some of these VIPs or executives and as a videographer you kind of have to be there and 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 have that opportunity working with these executives to get their message out. Do you feel like if students today are looking at possibly having a career in corporate video in some way shape or form is that a career path you would recommend to them and what are some of the things you think they need to do to make sure that they can get into that type of position? Yeah, I mean, uh, what I tell a lot of students now, and I've been listening to some of your former podcasts, and it seems it there, there's a common thing that happens with media folks is uh, and, and students learning media is they kind of are in two different camps. Are you in film or are you in TV, news, slash sports? So TV or film. And there's these kind of polar opposites, you know, Hollywood or New York, Chicago, and Atlanta and stuff like that. But there's this middle area of corporate video and marketing and, and uh, commercial agencies, creative agencies, and a lot of companies, big and small, are bringing video back in-house, and they need a video person or a video team. And so if you don't feel like you're a, a film person and ready to go out to Hollywood or you're not a news person, and that's that's what my world is. I'm not a journalist and I'm not a, a, a film buff, but I love production. I love the complexities of, of production, the how-to, how do they do this, the behind the scenes. And so that's kind of where my career has always landed is this middle ground of creative marketing, um, marketing, um, marketing videos and corporate videos and in, in higher education too. And this is now the second um, higher ed institution that I've, I'm producing videos for all in-house. And how did you make that transition from corporate video back into the educational world? 
Well, uh, leaving Peoria, I was uh, uh, I met my wife uh, before I moved to. Uh, I met my wife in uh, when when I was in South Bend, and then we both kind of made the journey to to Peoria together. And we were in Peoria for eight years, and both of us kind of wanted to be closer to family. She's uh, her family's out of South Bend, and mine's out of. Um, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And so we wanted to be closer to family. So we thought Indianapolis would have been a great um, step up in size of city, but a little bit closer to family. So she did the job transfer first. And then I kind of followed suit and thought this would be the time to return to higher ed. I still have my my master's degree. I would li- possibly like to teach and take even my corporate experience, my business um side of video and return it back to the classroom. So that's how I landed at IUPUI in the School of Liberal Arts here because they had a kind of a digital media production supervisor, basically a whole one-man band, inherit a TV studio and and make it run and be the, the sole uh, producer. So that was kind of exciting to kind of return back to higher ed and be able to run my own studio. Do you get to teach in the position at all? Yeah, um, I wear multiple hats in in this this role. Um, I have been an instructor, and I've inherited a couple different classes. Um, I do teach the Intro to TV Production course that, ironically, is is labeled 221 uh, versus the BCA 223. Very close. So, so my my lesson plan that I wrote back in grad school has been very useful now to try to establish, you know, the lessons and lab now. And uh, um, so the TV stuff is, is very, uh, I'm very accustomed to that because I'm using very much the same template, the same pro- similar projects that we did in BCA. But then I've also expanded now into podcasting, the audio side of it. And so I, I tried to uh, teach a podcasting course uh, last semester, and I found out very quickly that um, there's a lot that I still don't know about audio and podcasting and podcasting's growing and into some new areas. And there's that stretched me in trying to study up on, on the things that I was trying to teach in the classroom. And, uh, and teaching's hard when, when you're <laughs> developing coursework and teaching for the first time and, you know, developing those PowerPoints and the visual aids and the projects for the first time. And, uh, there was a lot that I didn't know. And there's a lot that, um, I would do do differently going forward. So as I continue to teach, I'm hoping that it gets a little bit easier as I continue to refine um, talking points and lesson plans and all that. I think it will. It does get easier over time. But I mean, teaching, it is hard. It is a lot of work. I think people don't realize how much work goes into it. But also teaching in a field like media production, technology, software, it's continually changing. So you have to really stay on top of it. But I think those are skills that you sort of innately have. Um, I'd be curious to find out if you see any differences between students that you're teaching today and that you were teaching years ago as a graduate assistant. Do you think college students are different today than they were when you initially started doing some teaching work? Well, I think there's still some inherent qualities of media students. I mean, they're all very curious of like, I've seen this before. I'm a consumer of media, either in television, visual, or audible now with podcasts. They're consumers of media, but trying to open their eyes of how do you actually create it? And it's not just create it using your phone. I think that's a big thing that I try to argue against. And I, I, I know that we have to embrace that a lot of media is created using mobile devices. But if you're getting a college education and want to know the professional way to do it, 
there's a whole nother world of let's dive deeper on how does this actually work? How does uh, a camera work, a sensor, um, audio, audio, decibels, stuff like that? So if you're getting a college education, you want to learn deeper of how this stuff works so you know how you know a consumer product is making it easier to do. But I, you know, when I was in college almost a decade ago, you know, social media wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Um, so people wanted things quicker, want things uh, more mobile. And there's still some things of, of, you know, how do we get it out there quicker and faster? Um, and so there are still some challenges out there, but technology is constantly changing and you have to get the right tools to do what you want. Uh, so there, there's always, I'm always researching the newest technology and trying to art make business cases of like, we should upgrade our equipment um, and get this newer stuff. Um, so we can embrace what's currently happening. Now, I'm not shooting on red cameras and, and big cinema cameras, but I still want to upgrade uh, the current equipment to some of the more con uh, contemporary standards so students are creating media on contemporary hardware that's, that's out there right now. How would you compare working for a university to working for either corporate video or even a TV news outlet? What do you think are maybe the advantages or perhaps disadvantages to working in education right now? Well, uh, I think corporately and in, in any commercial environment, any business, it's time is money. And to be competitive, we need to invest early to get the uh, reward or ROI later. So TV stations uh, will buy the newest equipment, um, put uh, have a operation budget you know say hey let's let's invest in this now um, when I was in corporate world just in the four years I was there I had two different camera kits we had already upgraded from um, we started with some Canon uh, cinema cameras and we moved into Sony and started shooting 4k and so the turnover of equipment was pretty fast um, and you had to adapt because hey now we're doing this now we're embracing this um, and in higher ed um, it's it's more challenging to know hey we want to be competitive so we want to bring all of our equipment up to good standards but it, the turnover of equipment is not as quick. Um, you have to make some some bigger business cases to buy and invest in some new equipment. Um, you basically have to use the word "we need it" because it's going to break more often than "Hey, I want this. This this just came out. I would like to have this." Mm -hmm. um, there, you need to make the business case of "We need this because our old stuff is is broken." Um, so there, you have to be a little bit more. Um, convincing of why you need something versus the commercial side, they'll be more competitive because they want to jump on it before other people do. That makes sense. So as you look back on your career so far, what are some of the moments that you're most proud of? Uh, I, I think I'll take a little bit from each area. When I was in Wood TV, uh, one of the cool uh, parts that I got to experience was the Ford funeral. Um, Gerald Ford uh, passed away while I was working at Wood TV, and he was a native of Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I got to experience during uh, our, our news station covered the Ford funeral from beginning to end. And it was very ironic to finally listen as a Grand Rapids native that Gerald R. Ford flew into the Ford airport. His motorcade went down the Ford freeway, and he went down to his Ford museum. And, of course, all the... Um, pomp and circumstance for a, a, um, a presidential funeral in my hometown. So that was pretty um, monumentous. Uh, when I was at Bradley University, um, 
there was just so many projects I got into, but I got to hobnob with you know the the, the president of the university at the time. Um, I did a lot of live shows, a lot of directing. Um, got to kind of innovate along the way uh, to push the limits, saying we haven't done this before, so let's try this. Um, and then at Caterpillar, uh, some of the projects that I think were really momentous was some of these trade shows and corporate shows that I got to be a part of. And you know, everyone's shooting 4K now, but we got to do some projects that were on a humongous scale. I got to do one corporate show in Atlantic City that it was a 100-foot LED wall from floor to ceiling, um, 70 foot by 100 foot, something like that. And to make a product that filled that whole wall it's like four or eight, it was four, eight K across basically, um, to design and orchestrate a product that played on that entire wall for an opening, uh, of an audience. It wasn't, you know, you don't have thousands of viewers like you do in news, but the room that, that this show was for was for all the global dealers, uh, around the world. So you have some very important people all in one place and your video that you've been working weeks and months on was played in front of all of them and across this huge LED wall that it's hard to fathom how big it was, but our product did play on that. And then um, also got to make content that played at major trade shows in Las Vegas. Um, I mean, I got to go there a couple different times and some of the videos that I produced were on display at these major trade shows with these ginormous pieces of equipment in Las Vegas. So, um, and then being kind of the news highlight crew that there was like two or three of us that were there, you know, day one of the trade show, here's what's there to see. Um, and we had some, um, uh, different highlight videos like that. So that was really exciting to be on location to not only witness your product on the trade show floor, but then to do highlight videos of the trade show as well. You've had such a diverse set of experiences so far in your career working in video. What do you see in the future? What are you going to do next? <laughs> um, yeah, the, the kind of 10 year question of, you know, what am I going to do in the future? Um, well, uh, my wife and I have been uh, married for 10 years now, and we have now three boys. Um, the newest one just arrived on Valentine's Day. Oh, congratulations. So, yeah, so I'm, I have a busy house at home now. and um, But I can see in, in, and in 10 years, my, I'll have teenagers. That's going to make me feel really old. Mm -hmm. But I can see that I'll somehow be connected with uh, production or instruction of some some component. Um, it's hard to kind of define what that might be in, in 10 years um, and, and how much uh, involvement I have or where that might be. Um, but I'm sure I'll have some sort of involvement with some sort of company or um, there's even, you know, uh, videos coming back to uh, houses of worship, churches. Um, so I've, I have been involved with um, church media when I was in college as well. So there's there's plenty of options out there that, that I could still get involved with. That does seem to be an area that you're hearing more about is really a mix of religious institutions and media and media programming. Do you see that maybe being a field that widens even further in the future? Well, I think COVID was a big... Um, uh, start to that. Um, I mean, my, my father has been at the audio um, engineer for my hometown church for decades. And in the past five years, he's had to embrace webcasting and had to buy some hardware that I recommended. And, and he's asking me questions of like, how do you webcast? And what would be the best if we get multiple cameras? And so even small hometown churches have had to um, 
start webcasting because during COVID we couldn't all go in, into the same place. So the for media students, even though you may not work at a TV station in a studio, that live uh, production multi-camera switching experience evolves now into webcasting and webcasting can be applied to and most anything you know uh, houses of worship um, tutorial videos uh, training videos um, uh, webinars all that so there's a lot more application because we know that we need to rely on remote uh, production more and even sports has has changed in the past five years with the the concept called remy um, Remote productions, IP productions, where even today when you watch sports, um, the commentators may not be in the same venue. Um, They might be doing the commentator from home. Um, I know a company here in town um, in Indianapolis that I've been to their their, uh, production studio, and they have a control room, and only the cameras go on site, and they have another room with the commentators at their studio, not even near a athletic venue. So um, sports is changing a lot to be a remote um, experience, a remote production. Yeah, that's very true. Are there other things you see changing in the future? I mean, the remote one and the IP video is probably going to be the biggest change that, that, you know, sports and, you know, sports has already embraced it because they had to. Um, but it's going to have kind of a trickle-down effect. I mean, I'm already exploring that for higher ed here at um, my studio is how can we utilize IP video to, instead of relying on, um, you know, Wi-Fi or um, other, you know, back in broadcasting, you had microwaves, you had other way of doing uh, wireless transmission that was really hard to kind of embrace in the in, in the higher ed area. But a lot of colleges and universities already have a network all over campus. So it's pretty easy to take an IP camera to another building, plug in, and then you can get that signal in your building. Um, my undergrad already does that concept for their chapel. Uh, chapel's in one building, and they direct the chapel webcast from a different building. So that's what uh, students are going to have to embrace is, is no more, a lot less of the OB vans, the outside broadcast trucks. Um, a lot of stuff is going to be remote network uh, video. Yeah, and that's something that I know we invested in a handful of years ago to make sure that our video studios were all IP on campus. And I think that's going to pay off in the future as well. Well, thank you so much, John, for joining us. I know that you have an extremely busy schedule, but it has been great to be able to catch up with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's great to hear uh, from you as well. And I've been joined the, the series of podcasts from some of the classmates that I, I used to hang around with. Thanks so much. It's, it's good to know that someone's listening. Yes, yes, I'm out here. <laughs> Thanks for joining us and uh, make sure that you say hello to your wife and your three boys and take care. All right. Thank you, Patty. That's another episode of Depth of Field, a production of the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts at Central Michigan University. Thanks to my engineer, Michael Pawarski, and my producer, Allison Biss. I'm Patty Williamson. Thanks for joining us.